Welcome to Pullin' Weeds, a podcast of the Carolinas GCSA. Opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the people on the podcast and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Carolinas Golf Course Superintendents Association or any of its sponsors. I was a dam builder across the river deep and wide where steel and water did collide. They're waiting on me and I'm just listening to the music. Welcome back to Pulling Weeds, everybody. Uh, co-hosts today. Professor Huntoon, along with uh, a longtime resident of Pauly's Island. Is that correct? None other than Dan Saver. Dan, how are you today? Fellas, I'm doing good. I hope you guys are. Tim, Jim, good to see you, fellas. Thank you, Dan. We're uh, glad you came, and, and this should be fun. Yeah. From what I understand, it's not an easy ride to Pauly's. Hell, I thought it was all the same. Dan, we've had an ongoing conversation here that um, – Polly's Island is technically not Myrtle Beach, is it? No, it's not. It's, uh, you, you know, that living down there, you're actually in the Charleston uh, TV uh, local. The local stations down there are out of Charleston. So oh. You don't have the Myrtle Beach channels, nice. 13. So. so what would be, like, the dividing line, in your opinion? Well. Like the Botanical Gardens, is that where the coverage is going to change? I think it's actually Horry County line. County right on the line, line then. Line. Yeah, but you get down to Polly's, it's just a total different deal. Pace a little slower? A little bit. A little bit. Trying to be PC about this, Jim. Move on. Another question, please. Dan? Wait. Could you say south of Ocean Lakes? You could. I mean. What is that considered? I like your south of Brook Green. I, I like that. I mean, Yeah, that fits well. Yeah, it does. So, look, because that. That includes all Litchfield. Yeah, so once you get past the Brook Green Gardens, that's about it. And for those of you who have never been to our state, I'd recommend going by those gardens. They're absolutely magical. Yes, no? they are. No? That wasn't oh, yeah. a good plug? That's a good time. Have y'all ever been? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. We have a family pass. Frequently. Yep. Yeah, it's a great place. If you ever want to go, Tim, let me know. I've got extra tickets for you. Are the lines bad during the holidays? Night of a Thousand Candles, yes. But other other than that, no. Yeah, it's a wonderful place. You need to go. Okay. Mr. Krieger. I've been. No, just we did a wedding there, I think, or something, or a reception maybe or something years ago. All right, Dan, where did you grow up? Tell everybody. I grew up in south-central Pennsylvania, Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. It's about 20 miles from Gettysburg Battlefield. Chambersburg. I've heard of that before for some reason. Beautiful country. Just over the uh, Mason-Dixon line, about 15 miles you a Civil War buff? Oh, yeah, big time. Really? Like yeah. the history of it, all the battles, all that? Love it. Been to Gettysburg dozens, if not hundreds of times. So the Verlina Cup's going to be in Williamsburg this year. There's some stuff there we could go see, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think there's a couple battlefields a lot of history there. over there. Revolutionary War battlefields. Yeah. Yorktown. Oh, yeah. Right there. Nice. Some of them old headstones in the cemeteries. Correct. Nice. Okay, so... um. <clears throat> Did you grow up playing golf? Yeah, we had a uh, family member at uh, Chambersburg Country Club. My family is a big golf family. Um, they were all from Latrobe area. Grew up with, uh, they knew the Palmers over in there. So then they got over a little bit east of there to Chambersburg is where they set roots. But uh, always was at Chambersburg Country Club growing up, playing golf. Um, you know, when I think about it now, I just remember – 
how big the fairway was looking up there as a little kid. When I go there now, it's like, that hill's not that big. <laughs> it's crazy. It seemed yeah. like it was like a thousand yards. And when I go there now and look at it, dude, it's a par four. It's like, what the heck? <laughs> so you just remember this grand vision of a golf course from a young age, and it just hit me. That's amazing. Yeah. So do you still get back up often? Do you have family up there? Uh, brother and sister. Parents are gone, so I don't get up there near as much as I used to. But uh, I'm friends with the superintendent there. And uh, so I go back to the old golf course when I get up there and talk to him a little bit. Do you ever get him down here to the beach to play too? He's from – well, he's been here. Oh, that's Bowers. awesome. Oh, Yep, he's cool. been down here. That's awesome. Yep. He just uh, – he ended up in there and reconnected on Twitter – and I saw him, and he's a superintendent at Chambersburg Country Club. I'm like, no way, i got to talk to this guy. So uh, he and I struck it up, and, uh, yeah, we've had a good relationship ever since. That Twitter something, isn't it? It can be. It can be, it can <laughs> it be can something be. else. <laughs> it can be something, or it can be something else. Well said. We were joking earlier about topics and what we were going to talk about, and we decided that nothing from the current news page on Twitter was valid for today's content. No. No, nope. even with a disclaimer. Correct. We're at an institution of higher learning here today, so yeah. we're going to keep it professional. And we're in the professional, or wait, continuing education realm for professionals. We are. Yep. So we're going to keep it on that track. Yep. And um, based on that, Dan, you know, I didn't tell you we we're going to have a live studio audience before you got here. I wanted to surprise you with that. Well, it is a surprise. Uh, surprise. I, I appreciate having me up here, seeing these guys. Um, I'm glad to be here, fellas. Second year, I understand it's a second year class. Yep. And, uh, this is Grounds Maintenance Horticulture 154. This is their lab final. And as part of it, these guys have all texted me a, a question for you. I'm not going to use every single one of them, okay. but they all have to text me one as part of their assignment. So all I'm right. going to go ahead and fire one at so you right now. So you're going to play favorites. I'm going to choose the ones that I like to choose. That's uh, mm. that's the way it's going to go with mm. the flow well, of the conversation. I've got one requirement from the crowd. Okay. Uh, they can't can't call me Boomer, so we'll be fine after that. <laughs> I like it. Well, most like of them. No Boomer. All right. All right. Here's the first one for you. Okay. And this is good for you because you've had a lot of um, – you've mentored quite a few people Ooh, over yeah, the years. Yeah, that going to be one of mine. Um, what do you find – the biggest gap of knowledge in turf management is for new assistants. New meaning uh, the fresh out of school when 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 in students age? yes when you take on somebody who is either in school or just graduated. What is the biggest gap that you feel like that they missed out on that they need of face to face interaction with the crew? Um, they need to learn to talk to people and not just write stuff on the board. Uh, I guess the current, it's a stereotype, and it's not true with everybody, but the, 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 the younger generation these days don't know how to communicate because they've always done things online and texting. Um, so I, I actually think some of that's pretty true and accurate. So just for the young guys just to be able to talk to people if they're, you know, instructions and things like that, you know, just, just communication. Yeah, and communication. Face-to-face -face communication. Yeah. They're great. Inter interpersonal communication face-to-face. -face. They're great at emailing and texting, but face-to-face -face communication. Firm yeah. handshaking and eye contact. And right. personal communication has served you well in your career, hasn't it? 
Uh, I'm still at it, so I guess I've learned hell how to get along with people a little bit along the ways. He absolutely has, Tim. I would say so. I've always felt warm and welcome, but who am I compared to the folks he has to deal with every day? So, well, it helps to have something in common, doesn't it? It does. We'll get to that. Yes, we'll get to that. Where? So, turf school. Yes. No. Yeah. Where? Uh, Penn State. So you, you did your education before you came down here then? I did. Okay, so that I was my did. question. Okay, so then Penn State and what brought you south? Um, Job, internship, woman, surf? Well, I was, I was uh, living in Pennsylvania working on golf courses up there, and my wife, uh, we'd been living there for about four or five years, and uh, she was a Coast Guard brat okay and uh, she said you know i'm used to moving every three or four years and we've been in pennsylvania for four or five years she said i'm about ready to about ready to move on so off we came but you didn't move again what happened no we we came down here had the boys well we brought the boys with us they were one and two years old uh, not even one ten months and uh, we just found a good home and we just liked it the people the location Polly's Island is a great little corner of the United States. It really is a nice place. So we were very happy and got in with a good company and felt comfortable and just stuck, put our, dug our heels in and made it work. Lots of golf and opportunity up there in the last 30 years north of you there in Myrtle Beach. Yeah, but a lot of it down here at Polly's. So, but it, it's been good. It's yep. been a really good ride. It's the best thing we did. And, um, Boys are grown up now, and so it's been a good ride. Who were some of your mentors, Dan? Well, I got into business in uh, – I was stationed in the Coast Guard in Cape May, New Jersey, and I got into the business with a man named Kenny Thompson at Stone Harbor Country Club. Kenny was a uh, superintendent. He was from Pennsylvania. He's from Penn State, and he grew – or he worked under uh, – at Marion for Richie Valentine – and so a lot of the guys from that era, Kenny and, and guys like that, uh, had a wonderful uh, time up at school. Dr. Dewich and uh, Watchkey and Waddington. Um, Dr. Dewich, like my first couple days up there, he invited me to the office and, and said, come on in here, I want to talk to you. I said, well, what's this all about? And Dr. Dewich was a veteran, he was a Marine. And he said, I understand you're a veteran. Just want to talk to you about that a little bit. And so it was good, really good. So, uh, you know, I guess mentors were some of those guys from back then. All good choices. Pennsylvania, a man named Dave Rafferty in Chambersburg Country Club. Dave passed away. He was very influential. Uh, Yeah, so I was very fortunate. So you got a number of people that have also worked for you that are out there putting out some product now, if I'm not mistaken, too, right? There's a couple. I just saw one of my old assistants uh, taking care of the taking care of the grounds, Corey Sims. Okay. Corey, I just talked to Corey. He's a he's a good friend of mine. Uh, yeah. So I, Joe Dyson's up in uh, northern Georgia. Joe Joe moved back there. My buddy Tom Taylor. He's down in uh, Florida. He just took a new job with a private 36-hole uh, facility. 
Uh, Tom's a good guy. But he's a Yankees fan. He and I go back and forth on that. I'm a Baltimore Orioles fan. So okay. Nice. I like my Orioles. So I know what patience is. Ah. I know what being patient is. <clears throat> Do you ever get to see Ripken play? Yeah. I've seen him. Not much. A couple of times. Not very often. Yeah. That was something. He was something. Yeah. No doubt. All right. Next one from the studio audience, Jim. Okay. Who do you got in pink in your phone? I thought those were for females. We're not going to say who that is, but we're going to use that question. How about that? Works for me. They'll figure it out. Small group. <laughs> in your opinion, what is the biggest hurdle to overcome when transitioning from an assistant superintendent role to an a superintendent role? Probably when you have uh, a boss – or someone looking at you, uh, expecting you can do everything, um, and putting demands on you that require time to fix. And time, I mean 10, 12-hour days or, or things like that that make you feel like you, you, you can't go home because you have to stay and, and do things to make somebody happy. Um, so that that was that's pretty tough. That's pretty tough. Your first superintendent job was at uh, Majestic Ridge uh, in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. So you were how old at that point? Uh, Twenty six. So a young man still. Yeah, I'm still a young man. Yes, you are. Well said, young man. Yes, well you said. are. Not as young as I used to be. None of us are. He has less gray than the two of us. Good clean living, Tim. It is. What's your favorite part of the coast of South Carolina? Uh, uh, Just the salt marsh uh, fishing. I like saltwater fishing. I really, really enjoy that. So what are you chasing right now? Uh, Redfish. Is that all year or is that a seasonal redfish? They're pretty much all year, but they're stronger in the fall and in the spring. They have some runs. Flounder running pretty good right now is also. Hmm. But I just I like fishing. I like fishing since I was a little boy. Now, are you trolling? Are you bait casting? What we casting? Do a lot of casting. Deep water? How deep are you fishing? In the rocks. No, only about three to six feet of water. Oh, in light up, tackle up along the bank. Yep, light tackle. Making it fun. Oh yeah, working for it. Yep. <clears throat> Any fly fishing? No, I don't. Nope, haven't got into that. Haven't got into fly fishing or bow hunting. You just, uh, you know, you just time. You, know, you can't do it all. <laughs> no doubt. So <laughs> there's only you, 24 hours in a that's day. It. Would you believe that you can fly fish on the coast? I've heard that. Yeah, I hadn't Have either until one of our no, until one of our guests was on um, Max, right? Uh, Baxter Boggs. Oh, Baxter. Baxter's the one who likes to do that. That's right. Son of Dixon Boggs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they they do fly fish, and the guys that are into it are uh, hardcore on it. Yeah, like from skiffs and whatever. Same yeah. as I, just, I wouldn't have imagined that. Yeah, I just haven't. I always see that for like trout and streams and things of that nature. You know, cooler environments. Anyhow, okay. Biggest fish you ever caught? Uh, believe it or not, was a sailfish. Ooh. I caught it on my birthday two years ago. I think I might have seen a picture of that. Yeah. Is that posted on the I was Twitter machine? Proud of it. Yeah. How big is that? Oh, uh, sailfish was only about. 50 or 60 pounds, they're not a huge, heavy fish, but they're 
like five and a half, six feet long. Yeah. Big sail. Where was that caught? Out of uh, Merle's Inlet. How far are you going to go? That was out 50 or 60 miles. That wasn't in your boat, was it? No, that wasn't in my boat. That was in a friend's boat. Took me out for my birthday, so it was good. How long does it take you to get 50, 60 miles offshore? All depends how fast you go. Okay. (laughs) All right. So for somebody who's never been, I mean, give us a breakdown. Conditions obviously matter then. Calm conditions, you can run harder. That's right. Uh, But some of these guys, these boats with three engines, uh, they're cruising at 40 to 50 miles an hour. So you get out there in a relatively quick amount of time. You've got to go a long way offshore from here to get to deep water. Deep water means, you know, the Gulf Stream. So from what I understand, if you're on completely flat earth, it's, what is it, 12 point something miles before the horizon, I guess, crests or whatever? It's pretty close. So if you're out there, that's is that roughly what, about 15, 20 minutes you've lost sight of land? Yeah. Then and you're you all radar at that point and GPS? Some, see some uh, hotels from Myrtle Beach once you get past 12 miles or so, but you can't see any of the land. That's interesting. Yeah, but once you get out there, it's GPS and that's it. Y'all using fish finders and all oh, that yeah. stuff? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How do you compare that to fishing growing up without all the technology? Well, big boys, big toys, you know. It's just, uh, you know, the sky's the limit on all that stuff. It is. You know, but it's still, uh, when you get a fish on the line, it's everything else, nothing else matters, you know. It's just like nothing matters, just catching that fish. And that's what I like about it. Can you, using some of that technology, tell the difference between species? Like specific species or just size difference? I, I think they can. Um, some of that real, you know, some of the electronics, you know where electronics have gone in the last few years. It's crazy. Um, yeah, they can, those electronics will show a school of bait fish look like more like fog and haze and where one big fish will see like one individual item. So, yeah, you can see the difference. I don't really have that technology, but some guys do. What kind of boat do you have, Dan? Uh, center console, uh, 20-foot Bulls Bay, T-top. Bulls Bay, not made by the same Joe Rice for the student earlier who wants to go work there. No, it's just a local South Carolina uh, lo- local built boat. Is that new? You didn't always have that, did you? I upgraded. I did. Well, I learned something here today. I upgraded. That's why he's here. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Look, kid, you heard him. The kids are out of the house. Kids are out of the house. Yes, they are. Yep. Someday, Tim, huh? Just hoping to make it that long. Me too. It's uh hey, it's a it's a it's a journey. That's a fact. What uh, what engine do you have on that? A Yamaha one fifteen. Nice. Four stroke. Stuck stuck with a Yamaha. I like a Yamaha. So that'll run clean or salt water then. Oh, yeah. Fresh or salt. Oh yeah. That's the perfect boat for South Carolina. It works for me. You can run up in the lakes or whatever. And I've got buddies with big boats if I want to get invited to go offshore and stuff so if you go out and you're in the salt water do you need to come home and immediately wash that thing out pretty good you should okay you should does that depend on the amount of alcohol sometimes 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 yeah yeah but really sometimes it depends on how many fish you have to clean i gotcha i gotcha is there any newer technology now where you can carry fresh water with you or do you have to get to an outlet somewhere like the boat can't contain some, and you could do like a flush once you come out of the water? That's sort of a size thing. I got gotcha. you. Uh, 
some of the larger boats have a freshwater tank. Yeah, you could just flush that or whatever, and then you're done, and you don't have to worry about it. Freshwater wash down. Yeah. Yep. I mean, there's they got freshwater. There's boats with ice makers. I mean, <laughs> look, whatever. if it's got a window on the side of it, I know I can't afford it, so right. I wouldn't know about some of those options. <laughs> right. So, how far out do you go in your boat then? I like to stick within 15 miles. Okay. There's some pretty nice reefs down off of Georgetown. What's outboard gas these days? Same. Same. You carrying it down, or do you have a dock where you go and? I uh, put it on the tra- uh, on the trailer. Keep the boat on the trailer. Stop at the gas station. Oh, okay, that's the easy way to yeah. do it. Yeah, perfect. You put non-ethanol gas in that or regular? The new Yamahas just say burn eighty-seven. Yep. Really? So, yeah. So it's good. Heck yeah! And you don't leave it stored long enough where you got to worry no. about any of those problems. Keep How often do you take the boat out? Oh, maybe every week on average. Good week, twice a week you can get yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome because you don't necessarily, at this point, have to take an entire day off to get out on the water, do you? Right. Like right. you can work in the morning and go out in the afternoon if you wanted to yeah. or vice versa. We put the boat in and get Hagley and run to Georgetown for supper. That's about a four-hour round trip. So, you know, when it gets dark at 8 o'clock at night, come home from work and run down the river and have a bite to eat and come home. So, Not too buggy? Faster you go, you, they can't keep up with you. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to put her in the wind a little bit to get away from them. But are you a thermocell user in the woods? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They work. They do. They do. That's the only way I feel like you can get outside in the state of South Carolina. Are you familiar with a thermocell, Jim? Yes, I am. Do you use them at work sometimes? I have in the past. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You don't have to use one. No. No, they can't catch me at work. I stay I stay moving. Stay moving at <laughs> yeah. work. All right, what's the current project at work? What are you doing right now? Uh, taking care of the golf course for uh, spring golfers, customers, details. No projects, just getting in early, getting stuff done, and staying out of their way and, and letting them play golf. When's uh, the season come in for spring, as you say? Well, I don't know. It's historically been like right around Valentine's Day. Um late february and it seems like it's a moving target every year but like right now uh april's always king really april's april's been king forever what's your thoughts on um overseed well i guess it's necessary uh evil um no just yours this is opinion based nobody gets in trouble we did a disclaimer at the beginning yeah no i i i like overseeding but i also hate overseeding so it's sort of like you know, it's one of those things. Sort what would like, you rather play Sort of like last night's beer. You know, you got a love-hate relationship with it. <laughs> you mean the one you left open you're trying to finish today or the ones <laughs> that you did finish? <laughs> you know, you, you hate last night's beer at one point in time, but you used to love last night's beer. So, Understood. You know, it's, it's one of those things. No, I just didn't know from a personal preference playing surface-wise if you felt there was any difference going off of a dormant surface versus – rye i you know the rye is not there to really do much you can still play just off of dormant bermuda just the same so the rye is just the color have you painted before i have do you like i'm sorry have you used pigments before (laughs) yeah uh I, i put it down at the wrong time and it got warm and the grass greened back up so i 
sort of shy away from them now. Gotcha. Sort of wasted my money twice in one year. It was like, you look at the forecast, and it's like, okay, it's going to be a good time to paint. We painted, and next week it warmed up and the grass greened back up. So I don't know. Sort of crazy. Ties into a question here I got. Okay, perfect. You mind if I fire away with this? No, because I was just going to ask him, does that mean you get like dormant brown stuff at the bottom that has grown out a little bit? You know, you get striping or – sorry, go ahead. If you were to build a new golf course in Polly's Island, you're going to be superintendent at a new golf course in Polly's Island that they're building. What grass types would you select for greens and other areas of the golf course? You uh, have to come up with the grass and plan for a new course. Uh, Tiff Eagle. Tiff Eagle Greens. Tiff Eagle Greens. Okay. And, um, wait, wait, wait. That was an applause for those of y'all out there wondering. Okay. I would agree with that. Uh, not everybody will. But, Correct. But, uh, when they're good, they're good, though. Yeah. And they're, uh, they don't seem to have some of the issues 8, 10, 12, 15 years down the road that some of the others have experienced. Uh, boy, 419s been around a long time it's good uh proven um there's some really nice 419 around uh i'd like to take a look at so this the home of 31 that looks pretty sharp tiff yes top, it does tiff top looks pretty good mm-hmm. um but dag on at 419's been around a while it's it's good looking stuff it is it's the standard for a reason yeah hmm. doesn't it mutate don't they all? Sorry, I'll answer my own. It can. It depends how where you get your stock from, right? If you get it from a good turf farm like Grassy Bay Turf Farms, Nick, you're not going to have any problems with that, are you? Grassy Bay sells to golf courses? Not yet. Or he, he might need to, though, Tim. Hmm. I'd probably shy away from the blue, mu- blue muta. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that one's going to make it. Hmm. Don't know who sells that, but I hope we don't get in trouble. Just kidding. It's all just a opinionated show here anyways. Right. What's it matter? It's just a job we have. I'm sorry. What were we talking about? You're up next on a question. All right. First piece of equipment you purchased as a superintendent. Like when you became a super, what's the first piece of equipment you bought? Like you made the call. First thing I got was a uh, a. Smithco sprayer with a Raven controller back in the day. All right. What's a Raven controller? I got to be that guy. It's the computer that it was back at the beginning of computerized spraying. Okay. It was the, the Raven controller. It's flow control. Whereas you, oh, I gotcha. instead of having to, you know, set your standard speed and pressure on the sprayer and keep those constant, you can speed up or slow down and the pump We'll adjust to that. Um, we'll adjust through a flow meter to um, keep a constant um, flow going. So the guy who drives four miles an hour versus the guy who drives two, we're going to get a consistent application. Correct. Yeah, it was the beginning of computerized spraying. Interesting. It today. Yep. The old Raven. The Raven oh, system. Yeah. Those Bring listeners it. out there that have been around for a while are going to certainly know what Dan's talking about. It's the harbinger of death, the Raven. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was mine. Are we not going back and forth, or are you waiting for me to ask another one? No, we can go back and forth. I'm not queued up here, but we can. All right. 
No here's budgets. A, here's a good one. Oh, all right. This is a good one. What do you look for in an employee that separates them from good to great? As he pans the room. Oh, yeah. I love um, it. You know, we all got into this business to because uh, we don't want to work on a factory assembly line. You know, you don't want to sit there for eight hours and put, put piece A in part B and then do that. So our jobs, the employees' jobs are different every day. They're different from July to January, and that's what I really like about it. Um, but what really, when the guy who's usually generally tasked to do like mowing tees or something, and all of a sudden you ask him to go rake traps or do something different, he doesn't catch an attitude because, you know, nobody wants to do the same thing. So, dude, I'm just asking you to do something different. And you say you don't want to do the same thing every day, so just, you know, go do it. A good attitude. Yep. Just to have a good good attitude. Yeah, I can say, Dan, I've visited you at your shop many times over the years, and one thing I notice about you is you always introduce – everybody on your crew to me that it's around when I'm there and uh I think that's a uh that's a good quality as a turf grass manager any kind of manager is to uh, let your employees know that um that you care about them and that you're going to introduce them to people that come around yeah well and I think uh you know that's important you know just to show the guys that you know I respect the guys on the crew you know and so I mean respect it is what's the longest term employee you you ever had well uh you know there's guys that 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 are still there at litchfield that i hired so but i left right (laughs) but they're still there so um i've been with some guys you know well over 15 years have you ever had an employee move with you i have i thought so i have had that that's that's pretty good. That's good when you can make that work. It is. I heard a coach say something this weekend when they were talking about how do you evaluate your program, and he said, "When the kids want to come back and play the next year." I think that's kind of similar. Yeah. You know, when you look at a superintendent or an assistant or a whatever that other position may be, work manager, director. How about manager. Tim? When employees want to bring their son to work for you, <laughs> I've um, had that happen. Oh, yeah. Some of my guys' kids are old enough now to come working at the golf course. How do you handle it? You let them come in and learn? Bring them on. Learn the right way? Try to. Yeah. No, I think that's amazing. Young blood's good on a golf course, isn't it? Absolutely. It sure is. All right. So let's get to the important questions. Uh Uh-oh. What time of year is it? What time of year is it? It's turkey time. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's turkey time. It's winding okay. down. It's on the second half. It's on the back side of turkey time. For you, we've got till the 10th up our way. Okay. Thank goodness. Yeah. It's been a little rough start to the beginning, but you've had some some success this year? Yeah. I've, I've uh, had a couple good hunts. Yeah. Nice. I've gotten one. Now, this picture I saw the other day with your buddy that had the uh, the white in the two tail feathers, where was that? That was over in Williamsburg County, South Carolina. But, uh, yeah, that tail feather was uh, really cool looking. Just the white, the center, the very center. So that's not anything with the hybrids, right? I don't think so. Okay. 
Uh, I'm not shooting pet turkeys now. It was a wild turkey, Tim. Yeah, no, I get that. Okay. I get that. But I sure. do know that, like, when you get out west, right, and everything's not an eastern, so you start getting into the different varieties, they get anal. You know, it's like this Rio slash Merriam, you know, yeah. hybrid. And, you know, it's not fully one or the other. And that's where it just made me wonder. To see one in Ohio, I could get an eastern in a Rio mix. But down here... No, I think it was just that one tail feather was just really cool looking. Yeah. No, I, yeah. that's definitely a wall hanger for sure. Yeah, so uh, we got him Saturday afternoon. And uh, I had a swing and a miss on Friday, so I'm not too proud of that. But uh, it's a long story. But I mean. We got time. I, uh, I'm here through field day tomorrow apparently, so. I don't think I don't have it in me to repeat this. All right, well, I'm going to get it out of you sometime. But so here's something I do have a question for. When did you go to the? um, Do you use a red dot or a green dot? Red. When did you go to that? Uh, Two years ago. Why? Uh, Eyesight. My eyes are just getting. I had another miss before that. Yeah. And it's like I just you know looking at down the end of the shotgun, I couldn't focus on the target and the bead. So it's like the eyes, you know. Well, and growing up wing shooting, you're told you don't focus on the end of the barrel. You know, you're looking at your target all the time. And I've, just from gun setup, I've shot right over the top of them a number of times just by pulling up and not even looking at the barrel. So that's where I saw the picture of yours that had one on there, and I was going to ask. I was just curious about that. I just use modern technology to help, you know, aging eyes <laughs> enjoy the sport a little bit longer. Sounds like you just like more toys. Well, depth finders, fish finders, red dots. No, but um, okay. So you just center bird with the red dot, or you trying to put that on its head? Head, headshot with a red dot. Yeah, I thought that's what I did, but uh, he ducked. I shot. He ducked. But that's all right. That's all right. Leave some seed. I've rolled one and had them. I've chased them around the field and had them run away. Yeah, so, leave some seed. That's okay. There you go. There you go. What other questions you got? I got a couple more here. Um, let's give them kind of like a standard one that somebody submitted, which is a good one. What well, what advice would you give to these guys that are in the room right now, Dan, that are about to graduate and they're moving into the business? What advice do you have for them? What are some pearls of wisdom that you could give them on their future? And do you have any positions open at your club? <laughs> uh, guys, just, uh, you know, just go to work every day. Um, pay attention to everything. Uh, you know, show interest. Uh, you can make it work. Um, it's going to take some time. Get a couple years experience. Um, but bad part is... You make a mistake. Sometimes it takes you a year to fix that mistake. <laughs> and it's a slow – sometimes it can be a slow process to get the hang of it, which I'm not sure always if you ever get the hang of it. But uh, just pay attention, guys. Um, you know, I made a career out of it. Raise, what, raise kids, have a family. I mean, it's a good living. It's possible still. It's possible, absolutely. And with uh, – you know, the way things are going, the demand of uh, leaders, assistants, and superintendents, um, I think it's a great time to be in y'all's position. I really do. 
I've seen it go that way before. I've seen it not. I've seen it be the opposite of this, but now it's on the upswing again. So I think y'all are in a great spot. There is a ton of opportunity out there right now. The job boards are full. Again, just where do you want to go? What what dream do you want to follow? That's right. We just need to get people involved in this. Keep no the doubt. future going. Keep the farm team coming. All right. What's the uh, biggest attraction to the coast of South Carolina for all of our listeners across the world? You got a chance to tell them why, why, why come to the beach, why come to Myrtle Beach, Pauly's Island. Tell them why to come. Oh, wow. Well, uh, the weather, it's a good, uh, good climate. 12 months out of the year. Um, great golf. Saltwater life. It's good. Nice, nice. people. There you go. What questions do you have for Jim as to why he brought you here today, Dan? Jim, what did you think I had to add to the uh, Pulling Weeds uh, podcast that you thought Dan's the guy I need to get over here? Well, to be totally forthright and honest, uh, uh, Tim and I were having some conversations and discussing different people to come on, and Tim said, how about Dan Saber? And I said, that'd be a brilliant idea, Tim. But that's really how it went down. But I knew that. Um... <laughs> Sorry. Well, I appreciate you guys having me over here. And I didn't really hesitate when you asked me. I said, oh, that's a done deal. I'm not even going to. I feel comfortable with you and Tim. So it's all good. Well, here's the way I see it. 15 years, 1,800 members, a couple hundred of those have changed. We've lost some, we've gained some, but it's it's hard for me personally to remember 1,800 names. Just faces, though, for some reason, I'm, I'm much better with facial recognition, and for whatever reason, I don't know if it's Dan's patience or whatever it is, but it just seemed like since the first time we met, there was just a level of welcoming and, you know, being a part of the association. And, and Dan's one of those members that participates and attends in a lot of things, especially every year down here at the beach. And so, you know, it goes back to where Borman cautioned me against developing relationships with our members. You know, you just work here. But I argue that. And Dan's another reason that I would argue that, you know. Um, it's a good dude, you know. And it's just it's nice to have good people in your life. Well, I appreciate that. And so, that means a lot coming from you, TK. Well, I mean, that's that's where I think of it, you know. Just a good member. And for those guys that we were talking to earlier about what an association is, um, you know, it's what you put into it, I think. It's all about the people. Absolutely. Absolutely. You think about, uh, you know, Chuck and uh, Doc Alexander and, you know, Schwartzkopf and just the guys that really help locally. Uh, and, you know, the Carolinas is so strong. You know, all the guys that we know, the legends from the Carolinas. Bill Andersons, the Joel Ratcliffe's, the who, whoever's, you know, some good guys. Fred Chris Thompson's, Fred Mita's, you know, all those guys. Dan's a great colleague. You Without know, Dan question. and I have um, worked together in the Pauly's Island area for a long time, and um, you know, I talked to the, talk to these gentlemen out here a lot about building relationships and how you need each other. Tim, you're certainly well versed in that, and. Uh, but Dan and I always had a great relationship. We used to ride each other's golf courses and give feedback. And um, whenever there's anything going on, Dan, we usually like to have a chat about things. And 
have been there for each other um, for different things. I mean, I can, you know, I've seen Dan has showed up at my shop at six o'clock in the morning after tragedy is struck and asked me if I needed him to do something and he was fully prepared to do it. Um, those are the kind of people you want to have on your side, Tim. That's the kind of people we want sharing their stories on the podcast. Well, I appreciate it. Good people, man. Surround yourself with good people. That's it. That's a, that's a big thing, guys. You know, find yourself a good good uh, place that you're comfortable with and, and uh, uh, you know, a company that supports you and helps you and has interest in you, um, you know, because unfortunately you're going to find places that don't appreciate you. So just keep trying. Find a, find a, find a place that does. Realize it's your team and your people around you that are making you successful. So the better you treat them, the better you're going to be treated in return. That respect has got to be earned. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a two-way street. Well, you got anything else you want to add that we've forgotten? Questions you want to ask us? I think I'm good. Um, I appreciate the time. And, uh, uh, you know, like I said, some of the guys – I really like Doc Alexander. He was a good guy. Um, he was very influential around here for a lot of years. Um, some of the other names I've mentioned, and Jim, uh, you know, working the relationships that you build at the local level with your course right down the street. You know, guys are going to move, and you're going to run into people in Orlando, and then at the, at the show in, in November, so you'll get to know people not just locally you'll get the you start your local uh nucleus and then it'll it'll just spread out it'll get all the way back to your hometown and your first golf course absolutely it really does it's a great it's been a great ride it's a hell of an industry it's a brotherhood and that's the only part i don't think i got to share with these folks earlier when we were talking it's just you know it's it's the only industry from retail to fundraising to this nonprofit group that I've worked with where if you know the solution and your biggest competitor is across the street and he calls you and asks you for the solution to the same problem he's having, you're going to give it to him. Right. I mean, there's just no questions asked. And it goes from that all the way through, as you mentioned, tragedy, family tragedy. It's going to happen. It's going to be a part of your life no matter what age you are. Um, But there's always... There's always a group there to support you, whether you ask for it or not. And that's the, what I think is the most amazing thing about all of these members, yourself included. That's a fact. That's yep. a fact. So. Well, thanks for coming on, man. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Like I say, there was no, I was not one bit apprehensive about coming on. As soon as Jim asked, I said, yeah, let's roll. So there is a youngster in the crowd over there that we're going to have to sequester afterwards. Apparently he's got a couple thousand acres and limited out the second week of April every year. So, I mean. Let's look him up. He needs to get into the golf side of sod distribution as well. So I'm just saying. I think I got a place on my staff for him. Oh, (laughs) exactly. All right. Well, thank you, Dan. I appreciate you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Pulling Weeds, a podcast of the Carolinas Golf Course Superintendents Association. Stay tuned as we will have another episode out soon. For further information on the Carolinas GCSA, please visit our website at carolinasgcsa.org 
or call our office at 864-843-1150.